Yakuza. Yakuza. Yakuza Kick Radio. 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 The Yakuza Kick Radio. This is the Bulldozer, Matt Tremont. And if there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m., Yakuza Kick Radio. Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us. Jesus! God and baby. Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah! Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And it's Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the ashes of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Klein, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, Bearded Dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn and you have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Man. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you couldn't. Now look at that guy, you homie. Fuck that. Black D. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. It is June 1st, 2016. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, J.K. Morris, man. I got a bunch of different topics to talk about. Um, I got a couple guests that are going to, I mean, it's somewhat spur of the moment, some of it. And um, very shortly, I should be having Madman Pondo stop by and, uh, you know, talk about something he's got going on over there. And then a little bit later, I'm going to have Joker stop by and, um, you know, talk about some things. And he's got a big match coming up this Sunday. Um, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, the first annual Zandig Tournament or Survival goes on on Sunday, which is, is one of the best booked tournaments on paper that I've ever seen. Um, it, it looks just awesome. John Zandig style. It's going to be fucking insane. It's going to be absolutely crazy. Um, you know, what they have lined up with the stipulations and the matches, and, you know, we're definitely going to talk a lot more about that, you know, tonight. Um, it, it's just unmatched. I'm so hyped for this show. So I've seen a lot of people saying, like, look, I, I'm more excited for this show than I've been excited for any show or or in a long, long time. It's really brought – 
you know, the fire and the passion out of a lot of fans that, you know, you haven't seen this in a while, which, you know, year in, year out, um, you know, DJ runs the tournament of death and, um, you know, Ian runs the king of the death match and, and, you know, there's a lot of death match tournaments that go around and everything else, but um, I just haven't seen the buzz and the hype that this tournament has gotten, you know, going into it. And, you know, I mean, some of these other tournaments absolutely deserve that buzz and that hype. But for whatever reason, a lot of these fans, they just, um, you know, the the thrill is gone. It's just uh, they, they blow the roof off the joint when people get there. But, you know, leading up, fans just – it's just another show. Um, at least it's gotten that way through some, especially Tournament of Death. I just haven't heard the, the incredible hype that uh it used to be um i know there's a there's a big um kind of lull as far as people and their expectations going into this tournament of death especially with the tournament of survival excuse me uh like a couple days before six days before um but i personally think tournament of death is going to be awesome too but again like people are not anticipating that the way that they are tournament of survival because that shit it's it's fucking serious some serious shit book there and um um so so some of the matches they got lined up um scott summers versus joker which is an absolute dream match in itself we're definitely going to talk to joker later and um I always say we're like it's it's more than me it's it's fucking i'm gonna talk to joker later and, uh, you know, I mean, it's um, just a dream match in itself. If it, if it was a regular match, both Joker versus Scott Summers, they would tear the fucking roof off the building, and it would just it would blow people's fucking minds. When you add to that that it's a death match, I mean, it's just, it, it's a fucking, it's, it, it's Christmas in June, you know what I mean? Like, this shit is crazy. And, you know, to add to that that it's a tournament, not just the death match, not just that dream matchup. It's a fucking tournament. One of these guys is going on, you know what I mean? So these these two are going to fucking kill each other. And, uh, you know, that that's definitely one of the most anticipated matches of this tournament. Um, you got Marcus Crane going up against uh, Danny Havoc. And Marcus Crane, I haven't seen a lot of this dude. I saw him at, at King of the Death match. Uh, Nick Gage pretty much just destroyed him first round, and that was pretty much it out of him. Um, no, he could take a fucking beating because, you know, Gage was fired up going into that tournament, and, um, man, you know, he could definitely take it. And he's going up against one of the best deathmatch wrestlers in the world, Danny Havoc. So, I mean, that that is going to be, uh, you know, a pretty big uh, statement he's going to have to make to prove himself, you know, up against a guy like that. You know, Danny Havoc is, is no fucking slouch, man. So, him going up against him, he's got a lot to prove, especially coming to the East Coast. I haven't seen him any, doing anything over here. I'd imagine that, uh, you know, it's going to be a pretty big debut for him. And, uh, you know, we'll see what goes on. Um, we also have Bryant Woods versus Masada. Uh, again, Bryant Woods, I haven't seen a ton of. I saw him in a King of the Death match. Um, I I think the dude's fucking nuts. Um I mean, dude, he took a weed whacker spot in a fucking non-tournament match. I mean, to me, that just doesn't, it doesn't bleed, um, 
you know, wise decisions or like well thought out situations, but he, he's clearly crazy enough to do any fucking thing you put in front of him, no matter what the situation. So as far as the death match tournament goes, um, I'd say he's a huge asset and going up against, um, the ultra violent beast Masada. I mean, what more can you say about that dude? He's won fucking every tournament under the sun, most of them more than once. And, uh, you know, you, you got to bring your fucking A game if you're going up against that dude. That, I mean, that that's going to be a fucking killer match. And, um, you know, then you got um, John Wayne Murdoch making his East Coast debut over here against um, Viking. Viking's a guy who I haven't seen in years. Um, he used to team up with Damien in um, IWS. Internet Wrestling Syndicate, I think it was called back then. Uh, you know, the, the company that spawned Kevin Steen, El Generico, you know, all of those guys. Um, Sexy Eddie. Um, he used to tear it up. I mean, they used to just fucking kill it. Uh, him and Damien had wars. Well, you know, as a tag team, they teamed up for a while. And then, uh, you know, they had a feud against each other. And then they both kind of disappeared. I think they took some time off wrestling. I think Damien's still gone. Uh, Viking came back and, and, you know, he wasn't, I mean, I think he he did some death matches back in the day, but I don't think he was so much a death match guy. And now he's come back and, uh, supposedly he's fucking vicious. Uh, he's got a whole different look and, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing the dude. Those IWS guys always brought it, you know, uh, it was, it always struck me as somewhat of like the Canadian CZW. They had their flyers, they had their, you know, their deathmatch guys, but they really made big impact with their, uh, you know, their spots and the way that they hit shit. They did it big. You know, they, they had those real big, uh, you know, high impact stuff, you know, which is uh, something I always liked about CZW. Their matches would finish with big finishes. They're, you know, their their death matches would take it to the next level. They were always trying to push and, you know, and really innovate. They were very innovative. And I think that's why the, the Canadian guys got over so big. Clearly, tremendously talented guys like Generico and Steen. But, um, you know, when they came over to the to U.S., it was a bunch of innovative shit that we haven't seen before. And, and it really just popped every fucking body. Um, I don't know where the fuck Pondo is. Um, he was supposed to call in like 10 minutes ago, so... Um, let me, um, it's hard to do this and talk and text and all that. So, um, bear with me for a second. I'm going to try to, you know, shoot him a fucking text and, uh, see if he get a call in. All right. So hopefully that wasn't too painful as far as the, uh, <laughs> you know, dead air fucking horrible. I know. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, tournament of that six days later. Um, I think it's going to be pretty big. You know, we'll talk that up a little bit more next week and, uh, you know, get into that whole deal. Um, I don't remember the stipulations for the majority of these, uh, these matches. I know, uh, the, the Joker Scott Summers match is like a thumbtacks match, you know, and, uh, you know, they'll have thumbtack bats and all that, but also just tremendous amount of thumbtacks. Um, so, you know, that, that'll be that'll be serious. But like I said, I mean, the two of those guys in a match together with no stipulation would be brutal. So, you, you know, it comes down to those two. It's, it's going to be long. Um, I, I'm still very curious about the venue and how everything's going to go down. It's an indoor venue. And, um, 
Look, man, in New Jersey, we have not seen this likes of a, a deathmatch tournament indoor. I don't think there's ever been an indoor deathmatch tournament in New Jersey. I could be wrong on that, but, um, you know, I started going to this stuff in, uh, you know, 2001, and I definitely didn't hear anything like that. You know, you had some death matches indoor for sure, but um, as far as uh, an actual tournament, uh, I don't know. I haven't heard of anything like that. I think there was a company called Deathmatch Tournament. I don't even know if that was a tournament. I think it was just a company that ran a show with deathmatches or some shit. And that was pretty much like a one and done. Like everybody was like, this isn't supposed to happen. And they just made whatever their one show money, I think, and disappeared. But, um, yeah, so, so that was that. Um, let me see what else, uh, the NBA finals, man. Um, I'm fucking team LeBron, man. He, you know, he left the heat, but I'm a huge LeBron fan. I was before he was with the heat, came over there, got a couple titles. And, um, you know, went back to Cleveland. I, you know, no hate towards him at all from my end. Um, you know, America fucking hates LeBron, so that's, that's going to be what it's going to be. But um, I think he brings the title to Cleveland. I don't like Steph Curry, man. I, I, I don't. Uh, he fucking irritates me. Oh, he's an amazing player. Don't get me wrong. But uh, he's just he's an arrogant little prick. I don't like him. Uh, he just fucking grates on my nerves when I see him celebrating. So, um, all right, here we go. We got uh, Madman Pondo on the line. What's up? Hey, what's going on, Pondo? Uh, not much. I apologize. I'm actually walking to a laser tag uh, facility right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah? Yeah. So, yeah, man, um, yeah, I wanted to – you to call in and, and talk about the situation you got going on now. Um, I mean, I guess best off you just explain it yourself. Well, I would, but it seems like uh, I met my goal. So, oh, all right. So, you got anything else you want to talk to me about? <laughs> well, sure, but um. So the situation you had was um, now is that something where you're 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 going to do that or or you're not now? Uh, I've already I've already uh, done it. I mean, you know, I didn't think I didn't think the goal would be reached, but it's been reached. Let me explain. All right. <laughs> I I was going to. Pull out one of my teeth for for people to donate a dollar to the cause of Pondo pulling out his teeth. Tooth. But the cool thing is, I don't have to do it anymore. And and even when I was doing it, and people who did donate was donating for me not to pull out my tooth. Right. Which is awesome yeah. for everybody. From everybody. Yeah. But now yeah. I don't have to pull yeah. out my tooth. So if you want to talk to me about other no, things, let's do that. That's great, man. No, I, I, you know, it's an interesting topic and everything like that. Me personally, I fell on the side of I'd rather you not pull your tooth out. So that, you know, uh, again, interesting and all of that, but uh, that's the last thing that I want to see happen. Um, so I'm glad you were able to get the money. I, I felt. I bet this place is actually bigger than they You know. Go ahead. I'm going to see you. Yeah. 
yeah, I fell on the same side of like I'd rather give you two dollars not to, you know. So um, I'm not. That's really good, man. So, what's the show about? It's about wrestling, right? Yeah, man. Oh yeah, but um. Well, jump in so, there. <laughs> last year, um, I, I noticed. I think you had some kind of issue with Ian over the time, and uh, I don't know if you patched it up or what. But you were on an IWA Mid South show. How did that all come about? And had you guys uh, Shane? Shane Mercer is a real good friend of mine, and it just so happened his mom was uh, passing away, so. The show was about Shane Mercer. It wasn't about Ian. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about anything but getting Shane Mercer money to to help out the funeral of his mother or, you know, whatever whatever needed to be done. So I got to uh I got to do that. I got to wrestle. I I contacted people who contacted Ian and Ian said, "Yeah, uh, come on down and help out the cause. And I believe the final that night was a thousand five hundred, but I think it got even higher. But I'm, you know, I'm not too sure of the of the exact amount. But yep, that that's what it was. It was uh, let's help let's help Shane Mercer. Not so much Madman Pondo or IWA Mid South at all. Right. Um, so, I, yeah, I didn't know that that was, you know, a special situation like that. But um, is there still a rift between you and Ian, or is that is, is that done? Here's the thing about that, and this is what I want everybody to understand. Uh, people who have problems with Ian, I, I can't, I can't condone because I'll tell you why. If you go to work for somebody and they short you on pay, but you keep going and work for that person for whatever reason, therefore, it's not Ian's fault. It's your fault. Okay? So right. uh, I'm not I'm not against Ian, you know? There would right. be no Man Man Pondo today without Ian and IWA Mid-South. Now, people keep saying, well... Ian has said that he has made other wrestlers. I don't know about that, you know. But I will say, honestly, there would be no Madman Pondo without Ian Rotten. Right. Yeah, it's good to hear that you guys, you know, you have a very even, you know, head about the whole thing. And, you know, whatever happened between you guys isn't, you know, doesn't hold that much weight because it's, you know, as you said, you guys have a lot of history together. And, um, you know, it's a shame to see things, you know, fall apart and, this guy not work for here or there. Right. Um, and, and the way it stands guy, right now, there, the, the way it stands right now, there is one, two, three, four, about four or five different companies all running in this area. And I don't work for any of them because I just don't want the hassle of, Oh, why are you working there? Oh, why are you working there? You know, I would just rather stay home and, and, not getting into any of that. Right. Um, you know, another guy you had a lot of history with and, you know, wrestled a, a bunch of times and, uh, you know, you've been around Corporal Robinson. Um, yeah. He, he had run, well, he was going to be running the uh, Kill em All Cup and the whole situation, you know, with that happened. Did you have any thoughts on, 
that whole situation? Do, do I know about that whole situation? Well, do you have any thoughts on it? Well, I would almost guarantee, not not that I'm, I'm not around him all that much anymore, but I'm right. sure Papa Robinson had very good intentions mm-hmm. when he started this whole thing. Okay, well, whatever happened after that, I can't go forward and say that I know anything about it. Uh, I wasn't, I was, I was asked to be on it, but uh, for other reasons, I told Corporal no, I, I couldn't do it. So none of it really affects me. So mm-hmm. for me to for me to sit there and and tell you my thoughts on the Kill Mall tournament, well, I just don't, I don't have any thoughts because I wasn't a part of it whatsoever. Sure. Um. That's understandable. I know I'm probably uh, I'm probably boring the shit out of your uh, podcast, and I apologize. <laughs> so good, man. Um, you know uh, they've been they've been kind of dancing around doing a bunch of different things on TV that fall you know more along the lines of you know outside of the PC era that they fell into for a while. They you know some tacks with Chris Jericho on TV and stuff like that. Being such a deathmatch guy over the years, you know what's what's your thoughts on that? Do you think? Um, uh, I was, yeah, that opened I was pretty now. happy to I was pretty happy to find out that they used tax on national TV, but you know, uh, not national TV on pay per view. But you know, right. you got to give right. it up for Chris Jericho. Now, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Dean Ambrose, I'll go ahead and call him Dean Ambrose, has done matches like that before. Chris Jericho, that amazes me. That amazes me that he took that bump into thumbtacks, but, you know, more power to him, more power. Do I think that that's going to pick up? No. Uh, if you remember back when Cactus and and Hunter both pulled out that barbed wire bat, and then uh, Ric Flair and, and Foley both messed around with tax, you know, everybody was like, oh, I'm pretty sure that this is going to start a new thing. Death matches are coming up. And my answer to them, and I was totally correct, was no, death matches are not. Uh, They're done, you know, they've done the two bumps, and now they're just going to go back to doing what they was doing. And why do I say that is because WWE is successful without it. They sell houses. uh, they, They sell massive tickets everywhere. They don't need death matches. So, yes, they took a couple of bumps and they amazed people. Uh, that that thing Foley did off the uh, top of the cage, you know, yeah. with The Undertaker, that has showed up numerous amounts of times, and that's why they did it. Okay, let, let's get this clip, and then we can show it a hundred times, and and you know, give it up for McFoley for for uh, taking that bump. But uh, yeah. you know, they still do they still do little things where they go through the sound announcer's booth. Uh, Shane McMahon, he just did that, did his thing at WrestleMania. So they still push envelopes, but they're not going to push envelopes to the deathmatch style 
of what a deathmatch worker is. Does that make sense? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, now, you know, back when Mankind did that, you know, spot off the cage and that type of stuff, uh, you know, you was getting a big reaction, and they started to tease, you know, Funk and all of that, doing a little bit. Um, yeah, the hardcore title and all that. Was there ever a buzz amongst you know, you guys, because you've been around a long time, was there ever a buzz that, you know, this this is going to break? What, that, that death matches are going to come out huge? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I will say that when ECW was running, you know, rampant all across the United States, all of a sudden, oh, well, death matches are coming up. They're, they're going to start being... Uh, uh, name brand TV appearances, and no, they never was. I mean, as, as name brand as what ECW was, I'm not saying that it ever would have been on prime time. And then, right. lo and behold, the ECW guys went to WWE, and Sandman came to people, and, and Sabu still jumped off the the entrance, you know, little things. But nothing like what deathmatch fans are used to. If if you go to Japan, or uh, I'll just go by experiences that I know. If you go to Japan or Mexico and you watch wrestling, there's deathmatches on there. Not just not just small uh, little bumps every now and then. Like Big Japan, they they still do deathmatch stuff. On Samurai TV, I uh, spent a week in Mexico and I watched a TV show there. And there was, I mean, the the whole thing was just deathmatch after deathmatch bump. So I would say that deathmatches. Here, here's another reason why, with the whole uh, Abdullah and Hannibal situation. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. Yeah. What's that? Hannibal got hired at WWE. They gave him the test, and then it came up. He had Hep C. He pointed the finger straight to Abdullah. I, I don't know the situation of, of who had what or all that, but, you know, blood now is is considered, hey, we can't have that in our building. You know, the, the buildings are what, killing deathmatch wrestling because they don't want the blood in there. So I would say, yeah, even if there was a buzz about it, that buzz would be incorrect. That, you know, but now, uh, Lucha Underground, I I, I haven't watched the match. I haven't seen the match, but everybody tells me that Vampiro and Pentagon Jr. did a a good deathmatch on there. But, you know, that's on the El Rey channel. I still don't know if that would be considered – that uh, death matches are, are coming up or whatever, but in my opinion, no, death matches will, will never be at its full extent. What I would love to see is HBO or Showtime pick up, you know, some kind of death match show where right. death match guys could show up there, uh, do their thing, and HBO or or any of the pay channels, that is an option whether you want to watch them or not. You know that'll sure. keep people from uh, that'll keep people from bitching about 
oh, well, I can't believe that's going on. Well, if you can't believe it, then don't click on the channel. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, a guy who I've seen uh, his name kind of pop in and out of things, I haven't heard a lot of positive things. And uh, his name just resurfaced again because um, supposedly John Zandig is supposed to go to California to work. And he's Mr. California. Um, do you, have you had any experience with that guy? Mr. California has asked me to come to California to wrestle him. But the thing about it was I didn't want to go – with a one-way ticket, something always happened. So I I, yeah. I never did make it out there to wrestle Mr. California. A lot of my friends did. Some of them didn't have a ticket home. Some of them did. You know, I mean, I I, uh, I from what I understand now, he's got his shit together and he gets round-trip tickets. So you know, it might be all right, but really, uh, you know, I don't know the situation of. Uh, I wouldn't be able to tell you that much to help you out with that, but uh, did you say Sandig is going there to wrestle him? Yeah, yep. Holy shit, when is that? Uh, I don't know. I want to say August. Maybe it's before that, though. I have to look back at the date. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'll probably buy that DVD, tell you the truth. (laughs) Yeah. Um, <laughs> so now, um, you know, they're they're running the uh, Zandig's Tournament of Survival next Sunday. Six days later, they're running Tournament of Death. CZW's uh, running Tournament of Death. Deathmatch tournaments have become, I mean, a huge, huge thing. Um, do you think that that's better or worse for Deathmatch Wrestling? Is it oversaturating? Or, you know, what's your thoughts on it? It's definitely better because... Death matches aren't used as much as, as what they used to be. Masters of Pain, when IWA East Coast was running, we always made sure it was not around anybody else's death match. If we booked Masters of Pain, and this happened a couple of times, if we booked Masters of Pain, and lo and behold, another death match tournament came up a week or two weeks later than that, that was not us. That was not our fault. We always made sure there was not another deathmatch tournament anywhere near it before we booked Masters of Pain. And, uh, you know, wrestling is wrestling. I, I've mm-hmm. seen it in, in every state and now every country. Somebody who is running something that can be successful, somebody behind them is going to get offended and run something as well. I'm not saying that's the situation because I'm not there. I, I I don't know, you know. I don't even know the dates of either of those tournaments. But uh, right. Right. you know, it, it, it's just professional wrestling, man. It's it's just gonna happen no matter what. Every time somebody yeah. is doing something successful, somebody's gonna come in and do something just as successful or not as successful. So it's just something that professional wrestling has gotten used to over the years and everybody, you know, but think about this. If you're a deathmatch fan and you have uh Zandig's tournament and then tournament of death the week after, holy shit, you know, you're probably uh, really happy because you're going to have yep. two tournaments. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would say awesome. that's going to bring it up a little bit. 
sure. Um, do you have anything to plug or anything you want to put out there? Uh man. You know, I'm I'm the worst about that plugging crap, but uh the gathering of the juggalos is coming up and it's it's gonna have uh, a whole show of deathmatch wrestling called Oddball or Stranglemania, I'm not sure what it's called this year. And then uh there's gonna be Bloody Mania and then there will there will be Girl Fight all at the Gathering of the Juggalos 2017 this year. I'm, I'm not 2017. I'm sorry, the 17th Gathering of the Juggalos 2016. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Good. Um. It, you know, it's it's been good talking to you, and I mean, any time, man. Uh, it's always good to hear from you. I'm, I'm glad you reached your goal without having to pull any teeth. Uh, that was that was my desired outcome there. Right. I'm I'm gonna post a picture of whatever car I get. Awesome, man. That's 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 great to hear, man. So um, but yeah, man. I'll hit, I'll hit you up, man. I I love having you on the show. All right, brother. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. So there you go. There's Madman Pondo, and and just like that on the line, I got Cambodian axe murderer Joker. Hey, what's going on, bro? Hey, what's going on, Joker? I'm good. I'm good. Cool. Um, you know, you got this big, big match coming up on on Sunday. Scott Summers, the Tournament of Survival, going to be working for Zandig again. I don't know if you ever thought that would happen again, but um, no, I didn't. But I was, I was, I was hoping for it to happen again. But uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Like, I never thought I. Would ever again when being the deathmatch realm again because it just you know over time it just I felt like it wasn't for me anymore but uh you know once John came around again and of course I want to pay homage to him so I decided to you know what fuck it let me get my feet wet do something that I was pretty decent at and then you know of course choosing Scott Summers because I just wanted to get in there with someone that can pretty much go the distance with me at least and you know have fun pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, probably the most anticipated match on the show. And, um, you know, we had Scott on, and he just, you know, <laughs> he's looking forward to the match, but he can't say a bad thing about you because he knows that, you know, you're the type of guy he wants to get in there with and just tear it up. Yeah, I feel the same way with him. Like, you know, when I had my pretty much my options, I was like, oh, that's easy. I was like, you know, give me Scott Summers. I was like, you know, I watched the. Uh, a few of his, uh, you know, matches and whatnot on YouTube and talking with Masada. And like I said, me and Masada are pretty close. And he was uh, a recommendation. So it couldn't go no wrong with that, honestly. Right. Um, you know, also when I had Masada and then Scott Summers on the other week, uh, we had talked about you going to Japan and uh, DJ on previous to that. And, uh, yeah. you know, the talk <laughs> went back around with him pretty much saying uh, DJ said he gave you a chance, but you weren't available when, you know, he, he wanted to send you and, and all of that. But yeah, it's funny because uh, after they were on the, the show, uh, a break sends me a text and it's the conversation he had with Yuki big Japan office. So I read the three pages of text messaging on the whole deal pretty much. 
about how, you know, if when I'm over there, they put me on the Freedom Show, which was a go. And um, then was talking with DJ, and DJ claimed he wouldn't talk to me or whatnot. But what really, the whole situation comes down to, by the time I really wanted to go and was able to go, of course, the fucker couldn't get me to go. Just couldn't do it. Right. But then when it was time that it was convenient for him to finally do it, then it was like I couldn't go because of my work schedule. I had so much shit going on. So there was no possible way that I can leave. If I do maybe a week or a weekend, an extended weekend, yeah, that's no problem. I can catch a fucking red eye or whatever. It doesn't matter. But, yeah. you know, once I couldn't go, then he just wanted to throw himself in there. You know, that I've heard over time, like, oh, well, Joker can't go, I'll go. You know what I mean? But when they when they want somebody, they're pretty specific on who they want. They don't give a fuck about anyone taking anyone's place. I've learned that back in Cage of Death. Um, the one that me and Dom went off the, uh, the rafters onto the uh, flaming table. That right. Cage of Death. I was supposed to, I was asked by Mike Burns because... Bailey was supposed to go to Big uh, Big Japan that around that time, and since he couldn't go with something going on with passport, I was thrown into that spot, and you know pretty much recommended to take that spot. But Big Japan really, if they want somebody, that's the person they want. They're not going to go with any type of substitute. So, you know, I missed out on that one, and I would have been there. Shit, that would have been my first time in Japan, but. You know, things fell through and, you know, what have you. DJ, once I couldn't make it, of course, he tried to intercept my deal. And, you know, I mean, there's so many different stories and variables, but the the bottom line is it's like when I was eager and ready to go, I couldn't go. But then when someone else made the deal for me who had a better connection with the office, then, you know, would you want to step on my deal when I couldn't go. So that's what it yeah. all comes down to. Yeah, that's crazy shit. Um, that, do you think that, you know, there's another way for you to get over to Japan at this point? I know, you know, you have a regular job and you have, you know, a lot of, you know, more, you know, regular schedule stuff going on. Do you think there's another way for you to get to Japan at this point? I mean, I, I can never say like, that, like, you know, that there will never be a way. There's always a way. It matters on, like, honestly, when I when I, when I I sit back and I look at everything, right, and I look at my time in the business or whatnot, and a lot of opportunities that I missed out because I wasn't 100% into it mentally. Like, there's always mm-hmm. something coming up. It was either a deployment or, you know, work or whatever. It I'm doing something that I really wanted to do because I wasn't into it a hundred percent, even though I thought I was, but I wasn't. And shit mm-hmm. comes up, and I went and took another route. I wouldn't say there would be never a time like there was a, you know, a time again. Yeah, I'll probably it just has to fit my needs, and then it also has to fit my family's needs at the moment, like with work and everything else. So, sure. I mean, I'll definitely invite you know, the opportunity, definitely. But right now it's like, you know, getting back into everything, into the rotation of things again, it would just take me like, you know, a little bit of time, but it shouldn't be much time at all. It pretty much comes natural. 
Sure. Um, now, you know, recently you were supposed to um, – there was a Jersey All-Pro show returning to Bayonne, and it was booked that yeah. you were supposed to wrestle Danny DeMano. He had, you know, talked and talked and talked about it, and there was yeah. a lot of builds as far as, you know, the online hype going for it was. And then you ended yeah. up not in that match and ended up showing up in the main event which, you know, is a really cool spot because, you know, all the people involved in that crazy main event. But, um, you know, what went down on that that day? Uh, things change. I mean, like they said, subject is, you know, subject to change. And, uh, you know, I was heading there with pretty much like, you know, with the thought that me and it was finally going to go at her, you know. And I was like, all right, cool. It's something I've been looking forward to for a while. And we both were. Um, once we mm-hmm. get there, it was like – so much shit going on uh, with with all parties involved with booking and, you know, things change. And then the change wasn't accepted by some, which I can understand and relate. On the other hand, I looked at what's best for the product and not what's best for yourself. So, right. I mean, I saw both sides. Then, mm-hmm. you know, of course – it was changed again, and, you know, like I said, I understood, and I don't want to throw any names or any details at it, and they sure. looked at, you know, what was best, and that's what they came up with. It wasn't just – it's something that is pretty much going to write itself out over time. So that's that's mm-hmm. what they were uh, going with with this, with the running and that nature. So, But, I, I mean, I look forward yeah. to the project, definitely. I mean, I – Afterwards, I was on the phone with Low Key for over an hour. Thought right. I'd ever talk to this fucking guy. Not like that, but you know <laughs> what I mean. It was shocking, but it, you know, brought my creative juice juice flow back in, and you know, I have so many ideas now in my head that finally, you know, they can actually be put into like effect now. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. You know, they have something planned for you. Um. I know I uh, yeah. I was looking forward to it. I was planning on being there and shooting ringside and all of that yeah. stuff, but I had my um, my Spartan race earlier that day that ended up going a lot longer yeah. than I expected. And um, he, yeah, my my friend who was there, he's like no Joker, and I'm like, dude, I'm I'm staring at my phone right now with a picture of Joker in face paint. He's in the building, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. So so then you know he ended up showing up in the main event, but um. Yeah, yeah that, doing, that was, it was kind cool. of it was, kinda, it was kind of a pain to ask because it was like doing the face paint and everything by match number three because I was supposed to go on and match three or four, and then I just had to sit there for the rest of the night with this shit on my face. And how cold the building was, I had to go do some jogs and some push-ups or whatnot just to stay warm and, you know, you know limber. But, you know, it's what happened. So, I mean, it, it was cool. It was just, you know, a lot of commotion afterwards at the end of what happened, you know, but it was fun. It was a decent experience. I couldn't really complain besides wanting to really work with Danny, but, you know, be another time in another place some point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, now, you know, with Zandig back, you know, running shows and this and that, do you think that there's somewhat of a long-term situation where you're going to be working a lot of matches now? Yeah, like I said, like I said earlier, it's more or less how my schedule is because it's you know my work schedule and I go away on training a lot because now I'm like the assistant 13 leader for the jail, so 
that comes with extra responsibilities and more training weeks away at home. You know, I'm not going to turn anything down unless I can't make it. So if it's on like a weekend that I'm free, I'm on board. You know, and of course, me and John are probably going to talk about it Sunday about the future right. of things. Sure. Yeah, it would definitely be good to see. So if you have... Oh, cool. Yeah. If you got a couple things going, you know, Jersey All Pro going forward and, you know, possibly Jersey, some Jersey touchdowns. Jersey All Pro, like, I wouldn't, like, the Jersey All Pro deal came when my, uh, on the night, night of my birthday, we went out drinking, like me and a few of the guys, and, you know, Homicide lives pretty close, and we sat we talking, he told me what, what was about to take place, about the plans of Jersey All-Pro, how it was going to be him, he, and everyone else that's involved, and I told him, he's like, you know what, he's like, I'll think about it, and he told me, look, look, don't stay retired, so, and I couldn't say that I retired, it just seemed more or less like feeling it as much anymore. I just mm-hmm. got fed up with the bullshit that was being involved, especially with, you know, a company I was with for over 10 years and busted my ass for, especially then working under a fucking guy who was super green at a time where I was, you know, doing that. But he right. has his visions. I can respect that. But at the same sense, it was like the direction things were going, I just didn't like what I was seeing. It started it started really turning into more of a carny fucking promoter. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yeah. I, I was just tired of things. Like, I'm not, I don't use, like, you know, an old friendship to get my way with things. No. You tell me what you want done, I'm going to get it done. If you want to book me against this dude and you want me to beat the shit out of him, I'm going to beat the shit out of him. If you want me to job this dude, I will job to that guy. I have no issues with that. You tell me the direction you want to go. But don't have something where you have for a, you know, a long period of time for six months or so, right? That's your plan. You want them there until like September. But you don't know how you want to go on with the finish the match so we can actually extend it you know what I mean and a story yeah. and when we do what we thought was right and then now you want to come at our necks and say that oh the match is too long oh the ending sucks it's like motherfucker we've asked you what you wanted you're the one that's booking this together what do you want the outcome to be you know what I mean it's like what the fuck right. and it takes the fun out of shit um, now, you know, you had that match that, you know, was pretty much the end of you in CZW with Masada. And um, I guess initially there was plans for you to, you know, have another match because it ended in a no contest and all that. And it never yeah. ended up happening. Um, you know, being close with Masada as you are and, you know, knowing him well, is that something that's like a goal of yours now to get that match done elsewhere? Yeah, it, it's it's going to have to. Like, no matter what, I have to work with the guy again. It's a promise we kind of made to each other. I don't want to have a regret like I did with brain damage. Like, me and brain damage talked about working together again. Because after the first time, 
do. We were like, holy fuck, like, let's do this shit again. And that's what we said at the end of the match in the ring. We were going to do it one more time, mm-hmm. no matter what. And, of course, you know, shit happens, and you never get that chance again. So this time, I'm not going right. to let something like that happen again. In Japan. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, understandable. And, I mean, who, who you know, knows? Right. I mean, the tournaments, you know, it could happen in the tournament, for all we know. But um, either way, I mean, yeah. it would be great to see you guys line up sometime there in the future. Yeah, it would just never be in a season of your ring, I can tell you that. All right. Yeah. Um, DJ always like to start, uh, you know, anytime you bring – I bring you up. Oh, you know, we're good friends. And I'm like, I don't really know about that. Uh, you know, at least at least not right this minute. But Yeah. I mean, we have our different views, again, you know, with things. But like I said, I don't call him and talk to him because it's just a waste of fucking time for me. So, right. you know, I'd rather be sitting at death's door than to be fucking stuck in a room with him and talk. <laughs> yeah. Because um, so, the funny so, thing was, it's like before JP, I get a text from him. Out of nowhere, I get a text. I save his number so I don't have a fucking dickhead texting me or calling me. So then I'll decide <laughs> if I want to answer or not. All right. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so, you know, you got anything else on your mind? I know, you know, you, you know, you got this big match coming up on Sunday and, um, yeah, what else you got going on? There, did I lose you? You there, Joker? I don't know. I think I lost him. Yeah, let me see if he calls back in. Yeah. All right, here he goes. All right, where did I leave off at? Uh, you said uh, you got a text from DJ and... Uh, Hey, you marked his name so you know whether to pick up or not. Yeah, so I get a text. It's like if I was available for a set weekend, right? Good, good. You know, if I was available for a set weekend, I said no. Next text I just follow with as I look. I'm not ever interested in working for CZW again. Left it at that. Next text I get from him in response went along the lines of, like, you're not. Yeah, it, it, it just—it sounds like you're not missed here either, or some shit like that. Something weird like that, right? So mm-hmm. then I look at it and I'm like, "All right, feelings mutual," and I left it at that. Nothing else. Then maybe within, you know, five to ten minutes of that, then I get another text like, "Look, you know, if you ever want to talk," and then I'm just like, "Wait, wait, did this guy just forget what the fuck he just sent me?" Like. Like, well, now, yeah. now you want to, whenever I want to fucking talk to you, I'm going to fucking call you. Get the fuck out of here. I'm going to cry on your fucking shoulder, motherfucker. So, yeah. showed it to my wife and shit, and she was looking at She's like, does he not realize as I look? And I don't know. I'm like, it is what it is. I said my piece. That's it. He knows my fucking intentions. It's all that matters right now. He's not interested yeah. again. I just don't feel like I belong there. It is what it is. That's all. No love loss. Yeah. Yeah, um, so yeah, man, um, you know, you got this big matchup on Sunday. You got anything else on your mind you want to talk about? Oh, fuck. You, did you read my rant about the gorilla shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so maybe. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually wrote that like on uh at work yesterday on hospital detail. So I'm sitting there and I'm mm-hmm. reading shit and I rarely post anything. You know what I mean? Unless I really need to get a point across. So then I'm reading these stupid fucking comments and how people are acting and I'm just like, Why are we even bitching about something that's out of anyone's control at this point? Right, you know. So I know if it was my kid in there, oh man, give me a fucking tomahawk. I'll go down there. (laughs) Yeah, but but your kid wouldn't be in there, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'm not letting my fucking kid climb on a railing. But you know, God knows the circumstance of what fucking happened. Is none of us were there to see it. But kid falls down doing something wasn't supposed to fucking do. I mean, the barricades have been there for what? How long? when the fucking zoo first opened and no one ever fell in there until now. So you get this yeah. one accident. Gorilla does, you know, what they do in the wild. You can't control them. They're unpredictable. People can say, oh, he's protecting yeah. the kid. If the motherfucker is dragging you by your fucking ankle and nearly just drowning you and bouncing your head off a rock and shit, you think he's protecting you at that moment? I mean, God knows what he's going to do next. And then plus with all the people screaming and shit was fucking, you know, agitating him, provoking him, and he'll probably do something else. Sure. And then everyone's yeah. a, uh, you know, a wildlife expert. Well, no, I mean, I agree. Like, you know, I, I would say the gorilla probably was trying to protect the kid because he would have tore him in half if he wasn't. Now, having said oh, yeah. that, I also think he probably would have killed the kid. Like, you know, yeah, like a and, and, yeah, yeah unintentionally. Yeah, unintentionally. It's yeah. like with a young child being handed a kitten for the first time, and this kid loves his kitten so much that they hug him so tight and they squeeze right. until they crush every vertebrae in the cat's back. So it's right. like the same thing. Like, no one would have known what happened. For one, this animal's been in captivity for how long? Limited human interaction, period. We can't control the fuck goes on in nature anyway, even though people fucking swear they can, but you can't. So, of course, you right. have to make an executive decision. I would have probably just made the same decision. as I like, look, either you try to wait it out, kid gets killed, people are going to bitch, why didn't you kill the animal? Kid doesn't get killed, you kill the animal to prevent that from happening. Now it's like, why the fuck did you kill the kid? It's like, really, guys? Come on. And then, and then the sad thing is war is fought the same fucking way now. Dumbass fucking people that never, ever, ever made a live or die decision in their life dictate what we do on the battlefield. Right. That's what happens now. So. Yeah. I just want to see yeah, who's going to be yeah. president next. What the fuck? Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah, stocking I mean, up on ammo and shit now. What's that? Yeah. I, I was just saying, like, I was just waiting to see who's going to become president next. Like, I oh, yeah. Dick shit's running for fucking office, that? so it's like, Jesus. I don't know, man. Nor do I even fucking care anymore. Whatever ass wipe's going to be in office, just going to be a fucking ass wipe anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, see what I mean, it's, it's a wild That's election. All. You always prepare for the worst and hope for the best. So I pretty much stocked up on fucking ammo. So I'm pretty much prepared for the worst. And then my right. hoping for the best is actually putting a few in people's faces. So 
<laughs> but we'll see. Yeah. All right. But, yeah, definitely looking yeah, forward man. to Sunday. It's going to be fucking awesome. I can't wait. I'm going to get right into the deathmatch grind again. And then especially with Scott Summers, which I really look forward to. And I can tell you, I'm pretty much going to be fucking sore afterwards. Yeah. Damn, man. I think it's a thumbtack match, too, right? Yep. Yep, yep. It's uh, going to be unique. I can tell you that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's going to be badass. Um, is there anything else you want to put out there? Uh, all that comes to mind now is I'm heading to the jail to actually, you know, do a couple of things right now. I'm actually at work. So, but, um, you know, thank you for having me. Just want to, you know, shout out to thank you to, you know, all my friends and, you know, Bob of them for doing everything they do. Everyone from Drew Gulak, Rory, Black Cheese, Reyes, you know, Homicide, Chi, most of the Jersey All-Pro crew, some of my uh, still closest friends that still work for a fucking DJ. But uh, other than that, you know, that's it. All right, man. Yeah, thanks for coming on. You're welcome anytime. You know that. All right. Thank you, brother. Definitely look forward to coming on again. Absolutely. I'll see you Sunday. All right. All right. So there you go. There's uh, the Cambodian axe murderer, Joker. You know, great dude. Always love having him on. And, um, you know, he, he definitely speaks his mind and he backs his shit up. I mean, that's that's one thing you know for sure with Joker. Um, I'm going to take a break. And um, I'm, I'm going to come back. I, I got some other stuff to talk about. And I, I got to give my thoughts on um, – on uh, you know Harambe and and what went on there with the gorilla, um, you know like I don't I don't disagree with Joker as far as you know the decision that had to be made. I really don't. I mean it's, there's there's not a lot of things you could do, and, and I'll, I'll go into depth a little bit more about it, um, quite a bit more about it in a minute. Let me uh, let me get a track over here, take a break, and then I'll come back. And I know I had something lined up there that, uh, you know. All right. Er, where the fuck, man? I'm the worst with this fucking organization. All right. Here. This, this will work in, uh, you know, cohabitation with my next, <laughs> my next uh, topic, too. <laughs> Phenomenon. Eat your food at noon, celebrating Ramadan. Hey, yo. 
big barbarians, baboons with big bucks, gorillas with gas, nigga, big rock. African apes who stack in the pace. I put some crack in your state, don't get slapped in the face. A ring of ten gang banging with that purple flag. This puffin' is nothing to hurt you bad. I'm boot camp for life. Benjamin Banneker, Africa Bambada, Boom Bat Bip and your medulla obligata. You think you're nice, but I know somebody hotter. With a crackhead mother and a piece of shit father. Niggas trying to free Mumia. I'm unraveling roach clips, trying to free this reaper. Got a boot camp hat on, boot wear shirt, front master flex lugs, looking like a fucking jerk. No money, clothes, bummy, no runny. Bent Metro card, faux faux, blow dummies. Hop on the train in front of the cops. Hop in they brain confronting the cops. Stating the facts, no hating your whack. Throw the eight to your back and then skate with your trap. Listen, my niggas is back. You don't believe me though. Playing games to get caught. Coco leave yo. Hot peas and butter. Cop trees on thunder. With your knock needed mother, yo. I'm one of the best, you one of the worst. Gun on your chest, blood on your shirt, sun is preserved, nigga. Hey, yo, big barbarians, baboons with big bucks, gorillas with gas, nigga, big rock. African apes who stack in the pace. I put some crack in your state, don't get slapped in the face. A ring of ten gang banging with that purple flag. This puffin' is nothing to hurt you bad. I'm boot camp for life. Except is F, the force back, and nigga, never forget. Throwing back, gorilla, nigga. Nigga baboon raps, ounce to throw two holes in the black moon track. Can you get a light, man? situation with Harambe, man. Um, you know, this gorilla was 17 years old, and um, here's the situation, man. Like, you know, I, I work at a shelter that has a zoo, um, and and I love zoos, man. Like, I, I go to the, the Bronx Zoo, the Philly Zoo, the Cape May Zoo, Turtleback Zoo, you know, I've been to all these zoos, and, you know, I'm a fan. Um, and, you know, it, it's... Uh, it's just it's a terrible situation overall. Clearly, I don't think that there was a lot of different things they could have done in the situation. Now, obviously, you know, in a terrible situation like this, you can always hope for a better outcome. You can always hope that maybe they could have had a tranquilizer that knocked them down rather than kill them. Maybe, maybe you could have done that. Um, the, I mean, it, that's just that's just speculation. That's like you know the end of a game. You know, saying, hey man, if if uh you know, if that fucking wide receiver would have made a cut to the left, maybe, you know, he would have caught the ball, they would have scored a touchdown and, and you know, my team would have won. I mean that's the type of late game speculation we're talking about. But the the main focus here is who's at fault and what the fuck is the consequences. That to me is that's something that I think holds more weight. And the fact that there's there's no consequence on the situation now. I think the police are looking into it and figuring out whether. But I'm telling you, there's no laws in place that protect this gorilla. Um, 
and and I think that's the biggest problem. Um, this mother was negligent. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Um, this, this woman's a piece of shit. And I, I'll tell you, first off, the fact that, look, I have girls. I have three girls. And I, amongst my three girls, I have twin six-year-olds. Twin six-year-olds. That means when you got a little motherfucker, you got two little motherfuckers. If you got one going one way, one going the other way, you got to watch everybody. You know what I mean? This is the type of shit, man, and I've brought them to zoos. I just got finished telling you I fucking love going to zoos. Love animals, love seeing them, everything like this. You know what? We got fucking, we got them little backpacks with the leashes, and one's a monkey and one's a uh, a dog, and motherfuckers are criticized. Oh, you put your kids on a leash, go fuck yourself. Yeah, they're not in a fucking gorilla pen. They're not down with the fucking lions. They're not fucking kidnapped by some motherfucker. They're attached to the motherfucking leashes. Yeah, I mean, that's where they were when they were that size. So that's that's number one. You you have ways. You have fucking ways that you can keep your fucking kid. I don't want to hear anything could happen, you know, two seconds you turn your back and next thing you know they're in the fucking gorilla pen. Bullshit. You need to watch your motherfucking kids. You don't get to go to the zoo and enjoy that motherfucker as if you don't have kids. I know that for a fucking fact. Two different ways that you fucking go to a zoo if you have kids. You can go there and you can get a babysitter and you can fucking go to the zoo without the kids and you could absorb everything. Go get lost in the fucking scenery. Look around, fucking daydream, stare at the sky, fucking do whatever you want to do that way. Try to, you know try to really fucking focus in on shit. Or you can keep your fucking head on a swivel and be in there with your fucking kid. You can fucking, you can make sure you're looking at animal, looking at the kid, looking at animal, looking at the kid, looking at animal, looking at the kid. Yeah, you know I mean, checking in with them. They're part of your experience. You're there with your fucking kid. That's it, man. And, and there's no excuse for just, oh, well, you know, maybe she wasn't looking that minute. Yeah, no shit she wasn't looking that minute. But the other fucked up thing is all the reports are saying, the kid kept saying, I want to go in there. I want to go in there. And it wasn't just falling over a rail and now you're in there. It's climbing through a little barricade thing. It's like um, kind of like those, what the fuck kind of fences are they called? You know those like farm fences where they have, um, you know, your big round posts and then there's two two big slats. And you can climb through them shit. You know what I mean? Like you could... You could put your head through whatever, and then you you know you could crawl through. That's what they are, but they're like metal. It's like metal, like the, you know, like a kind of like the guy in Jurassic Park, but only like like two or three strands tall. So it's like you know gaps where you could fit a fucking kid through it. Which probably need to work on that. I'm sure they will. Um, but anyway, look. So it was go through that, then go down, and I think through shrubs. Like there's like shrubs. And you have to go through that and then fall down at like a 10, 15 foot moat. And when he fell down in the moat, the gorilla was like, what the fuck? And he went and jumped down into the fucking moat too. So there was a lot of shit going on. Now, I'm not saying that that takes three fucking hours for the kid to get over there. But long enough where your motherfucking parent could have fucking, you know, screamed for the fucking kid to turn around or something long before it dropped down into the fucking moat. There was no fucking reason why that kid should have ever got through that fence. You got to have some kind of fucking peripheral vision as a fucking parent. Out of the corner of your eye, you see the motherfucker's not there. 
I mean, I don't want to hear about, oh, hand in your pocket, next thing you know. Uh, next thing you know, motherfucker, what are you talking about? What the fuck are you talking about? Like, if you, if you have that, oh, one minute they're here, one minute they're gone, then your kid's going to die because you're not going to fucking raise them to fucking maturity without leading them in the fucking traffic because you don't have the attention span to keep your fucking kids safe. The gorilla should have ripped that kid in two fucking pieces as soon as they hit the fucking ground. And it didn't, and you lucked out from that. The gorilla had to fucking die. I'm not fucking, I'm not team human. I've seen motherfuckers say on there, I'm, you know, I'm team human. I'm team, you know, people, people take precedence over animals. Bullshit. And I'll tell you why. There are 100,000 western lowland gorillas in the world. Uh, I think 4,000 of them in, in zoos. There are 300 million fucking people in the U.S. alone. 7.1 billion people in the fucking world. But only 100,000 gorillas. So, you know, of that type of gorilla. And that's actually the type of gorilla there's the most of. And that's 100,000. And that's it. That's it. So... A lot of the the thought process that people take precedence over animals is the reason why all these species have dwindled and we've pretty much eliminated them from fucking humanity. We've eliminated them from the planet, species after species, because humans took precedent over animals. Now, I'm not just saying let the fucking kid die, you know, and fucking, um, again, like whatever decision had to be made had to be made, but... To just to just chalk it up to well, people come before animals, and that's that's how that goes. Um, that's bullshit. Because again, and then while I was looking this thing up too, you know, just to try to compare and contrast and stuff, you realize there are less than, including captivity, there are less than ten thousand tigers on the planet. There's a, a little over three thousand in the wild left. And over 5,000 in captivity. And that's it, man. That is fucking it. But we just keep going. Hey, man, you know, people take precedent over, you know, over a species. You know, we're all that matters. That's it. And before you know it, it's just a myth. Hey, you remember the dinosaurs? You remember the tigers and shit? Yeah, they're all in the same group. That shit's gone, you know. And, And might not be in your life time might be in your kids lifetime might be in you know your grandkids lifetime but this this shit isn't beyond fucking happening you know what i'm saying and the other thing like there there's no level of importance with this piece of shit mother i i wish and that's the thing too because there's some people say well you know my kid i would have jumped in there oh look man the gorilla was doing some level of protecting now i'm not saying drop drop the kids off at the gorilla's house they know how to protect kids because chances are, he would have fucked that kid up just dragging him around trying to protect him from the people who were screaming and panicking. He's looking like, man, I, I got to protect this new this new shit here because those people are bugging out. So he might have drugged that kid and smashed his head off the rocks, you know, whatever the case was. He would have fucked that kid up. Um, I, You know, again, fantasy situation, while he was protecting that kid, I would have hoped that they would have had some quick acting, you know, um, like on impact tranquilizer that they could have knocked them out. 
Um, you know, I'm hearing some people making over-the-top excuses saying, well, if they knocked him out, uh, the gorilla could have drowned in the water. Well, when you shoot him in the fucking head, that kind of eliminates the chance of him drowning, doesn't it? I mean, you know, uh, and, and then I heard, uh, well, if you tranquilize him, you might fall on a kid. Well, if you shoot him in the fucking head, he might fall on a kid, too. <laughs> he was, the kid was right in front of the, you know what I mean? So some of those, those um, you know, excuses are bullshit. Again, you had to do what you had to do when it got to that level. Uh, I'm not saying that that was beyond the, the realms of possibility. But, like, this this piece of shit mother and the, the clinching situation that that this mother, I hope she does not live a long life. I really don't. I hope fucking diabetes takes her motherfucking fat-ass leg, her foot, all that shit, like, within the next year. And 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 I hope the next zoo that she, she um you know, visits is not handicap ex, uh, accessible, except the word I was looking for, accessible, and, and she can't get into that motherfucker. That's, that's what I hope, because um, this bitch made a comment saying the kid has already mentioned he wanted to go back to the zoo, and um, her, her other statement was saying that, you know, accidents happen. Like, motherfucker, this is what I mean as far as the importance of this animal. This is a critically endangered animal. There is millions upon millions of dumb motherfuckers just like you. There are only 100,000 of that, which you just cost his life because you couldn't pay fucking attention to your kid. <clears throat> you couldn't have the wherewithal to figure out where your fuck your kid was at all times in fucking public. It could have been snatched up by a fucking kidnapper, you know, by some fucking pedophile. It could have been fucking, you know, anything could fucking happen. Yeah, you know, accidents happen, as you said. You know what I mean? Accidents fucking happen. You know, if you were in, like, a, you know, Museum of Natural History or something, and your kid climbed the fucking rail and smashed something that's fucking priceless, do you think you're not fucking responsible for that shit? Or are they just going to go, eh, it happens. How do you kid it right? Oh, you know, when that, you know, when that, um, 3,000-year-old statue broke, we were just making sure that your kid wasn't here. You're good? All right, then. Well, um, you know, here's a pass for next time. You know, no, you would be charged. You'd be fucking charged. And that, that's what I think should happen at this point. She should be fucking charged. So that's, that's one. I mean, that's as far as this bitch goes and the whole situation. Now, you know, they're digging up that the, the, the father's got a criminal history. and this, That doesn't make any difference because the fucking dude ain't there. But my other thing as far as you know, I don't. I don't think. You know, that's that's another crazy statement that people always make, you know, especially in these situations. Every life is precious. Bullshit. Motherfuckers ain't shit. Quote that shit. Motherfuckers ain't shit. You go across the fucking board, man. You'll find people in your fucking job that don't fucking belong here. I don't give a fuck where you work. You can find at least one motherfucker you work with that you'd be like, this world will be fine without that motherfucker. Don't tell me every life is fucking precious. Now, you think that motherfucker reproduces and has more motherfuckers and teaches them how to live through their eyes? You think that's another fucking productive member of society? That motherfucker's a precious life? The fuck out of here. Fuck out of here, man. You know what I mean? So that, that, that's one with the fucking, with, with every life is precious and human life. And go fuck yourself, man. 7.1 fucking billion of these motherfuckers in the world. Believe me, they're not all precious. Fuck out of here. That bitch look like precious. That's about, <laughs> that's about the closest to precious we got in this fucking story. 
Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, the other thing is zoos, man. Um, it, it, it's a fucking shame because, you know, when zoos were first created and, like, this type of scenario was created, um, the goal was build the fucking enclosure so there's no way an animal can get out. And zoos have, have pretty much perfected that. Um, you don't hear too much about an animal just escaping. Not too much. You know what I mean? Uh, unless, you know, some kind of worker does some fucked up shit and doesn't lock something or something like this. You generally don't hear about them, like, climbing out of some shit or, or leaping out of some shit. Um, and, and, you know, that, that that's not the case here. And in several situations, it's not the case when people you know, go in there and die or get hurt or whatever in with the animal. What it has become is we now have to build these enclosures to keep the people out of the fucking enclosure. Not just to keep the animal in, but to keep the people out. The fuck, man? See, that's the thing, too, and... Because this world has become so litigious and everybody's trying to sue something, the world used to have sharp fucking edges. The world used to have rough fucking places and places where you knew if you fuck up and go over there, you're going to fucking die or you're going to get fucked up. And that's on you and good luck paying for that shit. Now it's like I will walk with my fucking head in the clouds and if some shit happens to me, I'm getting fucking paid. That's how the fucking world lives these days. And fuck, man, they look for a way to get fucked up. Oh, if they, they better reinforce this sense because if I fall, I'll own a fucking zoo. Yeah, I mean, this shit has become like a comedic fucking way to go about talking about shit. You know, like people talk about this shit very loosely. Like that's, that's a normal human being way to fucking live. Like if my dumb ass can't make it home safely, I should have more money. No, you should be on, you should be off this motherfucking face of the planet. You should be another statistic. Not another motherfucker that got paid like the lotto is giving out shit. Like, like you're, you're fucking walking around life with like a constant scratch off going, and then maybe you'll have three bells today on the thing and win the jackpot. Maybe not. Maybe you'll you'll get through the day and you keep scratching and none of the symbols will match and you get home safely. But if you do hit those three symbols and you break your fucking leg somewhere, who the fuck's paying me? It's fucking crazy. You know what I'm saying? It's fucking crazy. Um so unfortunately the zoo does become somewhat at fault. You have to make it so the fucking stupid ass people can't get into there, even if they fucking want to. If a motherfucker says, I'm going to go commit suicide via gorilla, they can't fucking do it. And it's a shame because, you know, here's the thing, and, you know, some of this stuff is made for fucking people's enjoyment. It's made so you can go out there, I can go take my fucking camera out there, and I can take pictures like the motherfuckers next to me. Because there's no there's no bars in front of me, there's no cage, there's no glass that gets all foggy to shoot through. There's just like fucking open air between me and them, but because of that moat and stuff, that prevents that gorilla from ever getting out of there. But unfortunately, it doesn't prevent a fucking stupid motherfucker from going falling into the fucking moat. 
stupid-ass parent to let the fucking kid who doesn't know any better go crawl into guerrilla territory. So that, that, that becomes the fucking issue, is where you lose a little bit of your, your enjoyment because common sense and reality and, um, you know, just a natural instinct to fucking survive becomes removed from the situation to the point where it's on someone else to protect you. And that's unfortunate. It really, really fucking is. But when it comes down to protecting this endangered fucking species, that's what you got to do. That's that's what you got to do. And I don't just put the fucking blame on the zoo like that, but in the same token, you got to make the dumbest motherfucker in the world show up to your zoo and leave with all your animals still intact. Like, if you had some some precious shit in your house, never back to the precious word again, um, if you had some precious shit in your house and you invited a bunch of dumb motherfuckers over and that shit got broke, that's that's somewhat on you for allowing those motherfuckers to break your shit. You know what I mean? You got an idiot-proof fucking life these days. Otherwise, everything's at risk. It, it's fucked up. It, it, it's really fucked up. And, you know, I just... I honestly, yeah, obviously don't like the way that it went down at all. And, um, yeah, I just... Eh, yeah, I had another dude, and he tried to fucking crowbar in a fucking racist joke. This fucking dude, he, he added me on Facebook, you know, requested me on Facebook. And look, I'm I'm pretty open about accepting motherfuckers, especially because of this show. I just get, like, a wrestling fan of some sort that requests me, hey, uh, you know, 20-something mutual friends, something like that. All right, good. If we have no mutual friends, I know you're one of these fucking spam dudes, or you got three mutual friends, it's like, you know, me and fucking Roderick Strong, and then, like, fucking, like, a valet or some shit, and I'm like, what the fuck do we have in common, yeah, I mean, like, get the fuck out of here, and then, you know, you you just click on their page, and you see, like, the Ray-Ban sunglasses and shit, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I see where this is going, um, you know, but I, I'm pretty open about adding motherfuckers, and, and it really opens the doors to a lot of bullshit, and sometimes it, it takes a little while before that happens, you know what I mean? Um, I, this fucking dude posted some shit. Oh, it's fucked up. Da, 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 gorilla, da. And then he goes, the gorilla probably thought it was a baby gorilla because it was a black kid. And I'm like, and then obviously some people didn't fucking like that comment because first off, look, man, I am not a sensitive motherfucker. I am far from a sensitive motherfucker. I, I'm i a fucking huge Artie Lang fan. Huge, and that dude says some fucking serious racial fucking humor. But he's fucking funny. That's the difference. He's fucking funny. And if you're going to say some fucking edgy shit, you're going to say some racial shit, you better have your motherfucking comedy shit up. You better be a fucking comedian. You know what I mean? I don't just take everything seriously that I hear. If you're a fucking comedian, joke about anything under the fucking sun you want. Because, to me, there could be no sensitive topics. I, the fact that it's a sensitive topic is the fact that it it, it's, uh, it has potency. That joke has potency. It's going to land. It's going to turn heads. It's going to perk ears. That's what the fuck jokes are. But jokes are meant to be made by comedians. You know, Artie said fucking, uh, <laughs> one of his recent shows, he said, uh, 
you, you know how Cosby got that lazy eye because he didn't know he's really had that fucking that crazy fucking lazy eyes. He got that from raping chicks and, and watching the door with the one eye. <laughs> you know, I, I fucking cracked up when he he says this wild fucking shit out of nowhere. And and it's like <laughs> he's using one eye to watch the door all the time. You know, eventually it stays that way. You know, this shit to me is hilarious. Um, but this guy, you know, he, he posted this shit. Obviously, some people didn't fucking like it. This dude screenshots people giving him shit about it and goes, these sensitive fucking bitches, oh, you know, the more you whine, the more I'm going to push the envelope. And it's like, first off, motherfucker, you're not a comedian, man. You're just throwing racist shit against the wall and seeing with sticks. That's the fuck, that's all you're fucking doing, man. And, you know, so I, I was just like, dude, you're not a fucking comedian, like, I'm I'm not sensitive at all, but like you're not funny either. And like I was I was gonna go to you know into banter mode with it. I was going into battle with this dude. You know what I mean? That was my opening statement. And then I was waiting for him to say some smart shit back to me. And then I was gonna go back with him. You know what I mean? And eventually you say some shit. You go ahead and push the fucking envelope with me. You cross the fucking line with me for no reason because I'm just debating the fact that. You're saying some racist shit that's not funny, and then, you know, we can go back and forth. And if you want to say some shit that's not funny about me, and then see me at a fucking, you know, see me somewhere, I mean, say it again. Yeah, I mean, that's all all I'm saying. Like, so, I was going, like, I was getting into this mode with him. Yeah, I mean, I started out soft with the, hey, man, you're not a comedian. I'm far from sensitive, but you're far from funny, da-da-da. So I see, like, a, a comment, like, oh, he commented on my comment, and then I go to click on it. Well, he already fucking deleted me off the fucking page, so now I can't even read it. And I'm like, oh, this motherfucker deletes me before I could even banter with him and fucking delete. It was obviously going to end with me deleting him. I wasn't going to stay friends, quote-unquote friends, on Facebook with this motherfucker, but... It's just like, you know, why do motherfuckers go out of their way to crowbar some shit in like that? Like, dude... This is a terrible situation. Maybe it doesn't impact you. Maybe you don't give a fuck about animals. Not everybody does. I'm well aware of that. Dude, you know, I'm a cat person. You don't think I've heard a million fucking times people that say I hate cats? There's people that walk into my fucking animal shelter, stand in front of the fucking cat cages and go, where are the dogs? I hate cats. And it's like, you know, we're not allowed to just throw these people out on their face, but I, of course you want to. Like, dude, what the fuck? But, you know, you get used to it. It is what it is. Not everybody's compassionate. Not everybody's an animal person. But to use, like, an, you know, a tragic situation with an animal to crowbar in your fucking racism is, is, come on, man. Like, you're not a comedian. You're a fucking sideline fucking racist. And and here you fucking go. So he he was a fucking jerk off. So anyway, um... He had like 30-something mutual friends, so I reposted what he said, and hopefully you lost some more fucking friends over it. Fuck that dude. Um, what else? What else? What else? Um, um, let me see. I, yeah, you know what? I want to take another break. Um, let me see. Where the fuck? I didn't put any new tracks up. I just, I was going to, and then I just, you know. Let me see. 
Um, yeah, I played that like a million fucking times. Ah, Jesus Christ. Yeah, we'll go with this. There's no stopping what can't be stopped. No killing what can't be There's something out there waiting for us. Self 
destructive ice that destroyed enough rainforest to cover 300 city blocks. That sounds pretty weird to me, right? All right, so I got the uh, MLB 16 show. Um, I'm not a baseball fan, but I always like baseball games, and um, I like it. So I got that. I I got the GameFly gimmick, and uh, I like the uh, the Ninja Turtle game was pretty cool. A um, little repetitive, you know. So I got bored of it, but uh, you know, graphics are tight, and uh, you know, kind of comic book turtle-ish. Uh, pretty cool, but again, you know, pretty repetitive. So, uh, but yeah, those those are the first two games I got, and I ended up trading in a few games. So I bought the MLB the show. I gotta send both of these games back tomorrow, and then put in my next collections or whatever. But so far, I like the GameFly deal because you know it's gonna keep me from buying anything I don't fucking like, and um, you know I get to just try a bunch of shit out. So I, I like it. Um, <clears throat> you know, I it's um, I think for the first three months or something it's uh 15 dollars a month and then after that it goes up back up to 25 dollars a month and that's for two games at a time so you know what i mean like just two months alone pays for one fucking shitty game that i i might have bought you know what i mean like that's 60 bucks one shitty game that i might have bought i could play fucking eight eight ten games in that fucking time easily so um it's worth it I like it. Um, we'll see what the turnover time as far as me shipping these games back and getting more, you know, that type of deal. Um, you know, if there's too much turnover, it's going to be a little rougher. I'm going to try to keep it staggered where I send one back and have one. Right now I'm going to send them both back, but then I'm going to try to see. So there's not really like a too much of a waiting period. If you already got one game you're playing, you send one back. You know what I mean? Kind of break it up. Um, anyway. A lot of talk about the uh, Will Ospreay-Ricochet match. It happened last year. I mean, it should happen well over six months ago from what I uh, understand. I'm pretty sure. I don't, I don't think it was recent. Maybe it was. I don't know. But um, match was fucking bananas. I love the fucking match. Crazy shit. Um, so much shit that just innovative, fucking over-the-top, high-flying, just spots, fucking lightning-fast paced. And, um, you know, as always, motherfuckers want to step up and discredit it and call it shit. <laughs> and, um, you know, that is not wrestling and it's this and this and this. Um, there's, there's groups of people who you won't find saying this type of thing. Generally, you will not find deathmatch wrestlers saying that. Um, reason being is they work another style that's subjective. They work another style that people will look at and some people will go, that's not wrestling. If you work within, you know, a style or a profession or something that you work really fucking hard at and uh, you put in a lot of fucking time and thought and work and at some point some people who don't understand it or just aren't in the same line of fucking work. I mean, let, let's stick within wrestling for the moment. Um, they're not, they don't work the same style as you do. So they discredit what you do no matter how hard you work. No matter, you know, whether you put on a five-star fucking match 
if you're Nick Gage and, and John Wayne Murdoch and you put in a 50-minute fucking death match, there's some people that will look at those death matches and go, wow, that, that's not even wrestling. These motherfuckers put in 50 minutes of a fucking story, a back-and-forth building, fucking crazy fucking death match. But to some people, that doesn't even count. That's the same thing that we're going through with this. Um, you understand. I mean, you know, people just, oh, you're a fucking gymnast. And they say, okay. First off, a gymnast can't take the things that these people take as professional wrestlers. Um, you know, fucking reverse ranas and fucking, uh, I mean, just, again, like as I've talked to many people, a lot of people take take for granted the simple things of wrestling. Simple to people who are wrestlers. Not simple to your average person. Not simple to a fucking gymnast to run the fucking ropes. And not simple to a gymnast to take bumps. You know, these motherfuckers are doing a lot more landing on their feet than any of that shit. The timing, the footwork, the, all the different things that go into this. And to to synchronize that fucking performance the way that that goes. It always seems like the most criticism comes out of the people who can't come fucking near that avenue. There's some people that just don't like it. It's not their style. They just don't like it, this and that. Hey, man, everyone has their own style. Everyone has their own thing that they like and don't like. But as far as I'm concerned, anyone any shape, any size, if if they are dedicated enough, they can be a wrestler. They can get into the ring, they can train as long as they have to, and become a professional wrestler. Some people might take a whole shitload longer. Some people might never be good at it, but they could still be in the business as professional wrestlers especially as long as they can take the punishment that might come with being a bad professional wrestler. Any shape, any size, don't need to go to the gym, don't need to do this, don't need to do that. You can just fucking go in there. You can learn the basics, and you can work a career around that. It may not ever be a successful career, but you can work the fucking basics, and you can call yourself a professional wrestler. You can work shindy shows your whole fucking career. And you can be a professional fucking wrestler. When it becomes echelon super athlete, it's the equivalent of, you know, fucking Popeye Jones versus fucking LeBron James. Popeye Jones can't fuck with LeBron James. You know what I mean? So, I don't know if Popeye Jones hates that motherfucker. I'm just saying... um, uh, you know, a Sean Bradley or, you know, one of these motherfuckers. Just just can't fuck with a guy like a super athlete like that. So when you see shit like that, look, you can be a professional wrestler. You can do this. You can do this. Now, look at this. This is another genre of professional wrestlers you can't exist in, no matter what the fuck you do. No matter what the fuck you do, you can't exist in that world. And it hurts. It hurts your fucking feelings. I understand that. But that's, to me, that's the bitterness and that's the shit that a lot of people get fucking hurt by. 
Not that it's a different style, not that it's something they like. It's a world they can't exist in. Professional wrestling has become, especially within the past 10, 15 years, has become extremely accepting towards people who don't belong in fucking professional wrestling, who me as a fan would never pay to watch, who would never be excited about seeing walk through the fucking curtain knowing that they're going to go wrestle. Like a motherfucker that they they belong because some other fucking wrestler told them they did and somebody else took their fucking money to train. But when they fucking walk out there, they have zero to present to me as a fan that's going to make me happy about their fucking performance. It's just not going to fucking happen. There's tons, tons of fucking people, including DJ Hyde. There is not a motherfucking thing that I need to see out of him in a fucking ring. I've seen enough of his fucking matches. He cannot entertain me. He's not good. He's awkward. He's goofy. He's uncoordinated. He's non-athletic. That's it. He's not fucking good, no matter what he wants to do, but he gets to exist in wrestling. And he couldn't even get the spots that he wanted. He was doing pretty well as far as buying himself into spots or politicking himself into spots when Bandage was there. He was, he was getting himself into places that nobody fucking wanted to see him at as fans. And that doesn't make him a fucking heel. It makes him in the fucking way. But, the you know, when we were going to get Danny Havoc versus Brain Damage rematch after the fucking crazy, crazy fucking match that they had. And then DJ's music hits and made it a fucking three-way. That, that, that's not something the fans wanted to see. If you reflect on it now, that's not something the fans are fucking happy that happened rather than the Danny Havoc Brain Damage fucking rematch one-on-one like you wanted to fucking see. Can't fucking do it. You know what I mean? These are fucking things you can't fix. You can't go back and just just fucking change it now that it's done. And it, it's not it's not something the fucking fans wanted to see. So anyway, um, he he got his spots there, but he wasn't getting his spots elsewhere. He wasn't getting respect, you know, across the board. He'll tell you that he was a big part of Ring of Honor's invasion angle and that bullshit. It wasn't a big part of fucking anything. He bought a fucking company, so he became important. All right, I'm not going to turn this into a whole DJ thing again, but uh, just as an example, there's nothing he can fucking do. But he bought a company, so now he can be booked against fucking top talent because he's fucking fucking it. You know what I mean? But, again, he can't exist in fucking pro wrestling gorilla. Unless someone is fucking doing him a favor, you know, some kind of huge favor. He better save fucking Excalibur's life if he's going to get into fucking pro wrestling gorilla. You know what I mean? And, again, this isn't a DJ thing. I'm just saying, in general, there's people who can't fucking work. And they can't exist in the world of a ricochet, a Will Ospreay. A fucking Rich Swan, a fucking, I mean, can't fucking do it. Can't do it. Like, you know, Lucha Lucha guys, they don't fucking criticize fucking PWG and what they do. Very similar to the Lucha style. A lot of fast-moving stuff within the Lucha style. You know what I mean? But this, this is what it is. It just becomes this bitterness. And... The thing is, is, you know, they're, what sells more? Box office records are held by fucking big superhero movies. There's, are, do superhero movies get the fucking critics' nods and the fucking awards? 
Never. Never. But they make the most fucking money. And I'll tell you as a fucking fan, use that translation. Would I fucking buy a fucking DVD for a really well-worked, slow-build fucking match? No. No, I wouldn't. But back when I was buying fucking DVDs every month, a move could make me fucking buy a match. The way that this fucking match ended with this fucking finish was crazy as fuck. You got to see that shit. I'm going to buy it for this. This match is crazy as fuck. I got to show that shit to somebody again. And I'd fucking buy the DVD of the show that I already saw just so somebody else could see the crazy fucking match. Not, dude, you got to see the way that they fucking work this reverse chin lock and the way that they stalled and you should see how long he laid there after that fucking move, man. He sold that shit. Man, he was selling. I mean, part of this shit is motherfuckers arguing over how long a man laid on the fucking mat in between moves. And I understand the selling and da-da-da-da-da, but that's, that's half of what we're fucking arguing about. Is how long the fucking dude laid on the mat. If you motherfuckers want to watch dudes sleep, that's your own shit. That's not what I'm about, man. I'm not about dramas. I'm not about slow build. I'm not about any of that. I want to see a blockbuster motherfucking action flick. And you can hate it. You can hate that shit all you want. But as far as saying it kills the business and this and that, well, what the fuck were Rey Mysterio and fucking and Psychosis doing? What the fuck was, you know, Ray and Hoovy doing? I mean, what were these guys fucking doing? All of a sudden, that was good, but this is shit? I mean, how was how it different? How was it different? It wasn't, man. It really wasn't fucking different. You guys, like I said, a lot of these motherfuckers, and, you know, I got one dude, and... He's not going to get his flat-out name on the fucking show because he's a fucking scrub. And, um, you know, these people, they they find themselves into the wrestling business, and they find their little niche. They find their place where a couple people tell them they belong, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're they're fucking above people. And let me tell you something, man. I'm, you know, I'm a wrestling fan, and I respect what the fucking wrestlers do. And, you know, these motherfuckers, they bust their ass, man, through training and through fucking coming up and this and this. But don't get it fucked up. There is a lot of fucking wrestlers that I'm a ten times better fucking athlete than. A lot. And I don't, there shouldn't be a lot of motherfuckers offended about that shit because they either know it's true or they know that it's not true. Because there's a lot of wrestlers that are way better athletes than me as well. So I'm not saying I'm a better athlete than all the wrestlers in the world. I'm saying... There's a good fucking portion of athlete, uh, of fucking wrestlers that I look at and I go, I'm fucking far better athlete than that dude. Like the shit that I go through fucking seven hours of racing on a fucking Spartan race, a lot of these motherfuckers will be dead halfway through that shit. And, and look, man, I'm almost 40 years old. So this isn't like, hey, I'm doing shit nobody could do. I'm not saying anything like that. But I got fucking drive. I got dedication. And I got my fucking intensity like a lot of these people don't fucking have. A lot of these fucking people. And let's just call him RC Cola. RC Cola ain't shit, man. This fat motherfucker, man, he's a slouch. He's an all-out fucking slouch. He gets his fucking friends to book him places. And RC, he gets in fucking places because he knows motherfuckers or he's been around for a while. Nobody's booking RC Cola in the fucking main event. 
unless he's friends with the motherfucker who owns the company. And this fucking dude tells me, you, you, you do a podcast. That's what you do. Okay. You be unimpressive. That's what the fuck you could do. Because I tell you right fucking now, R.C. Cola will never be a fucking athlete like I am. Never. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not trying to cut no fucking promo on a motherfucker, but that dude ain't shit. And, and I'm getting less and less tolerant towards these motherfuckers that decide that because they got into the end, and, and and I even and I even put that out of and I said, yeah, look, man, you want to read off my motherfucking hobbies? Why don't we get to athleticism and see where the fuck we talk? And he's like, oh, well, you know, we could talk about that. I'm a professional wrestling, and you're you're a fan. So that's the end of the athleticism discussion. You got it fucked up right there, homie, because you ain't got shit on my athleticism. And again, just just fucking look at both of our resumes, man. Just look at what I'm doing on a week to week. Look at what you're doing on a week to week, man. It doesn't need to be. I mean, been shitting a long time. Ain't nobody looking for RC Cola in 2016. I mean, so I just. But but he's another one, fucking up. BWG is killing the business. Fuck you. You don't belong in that part of the business. That's what hurts your fucking butt because you're not fucking letting that door. No one's ringing your fucking phone from that address. Yeah, you know I mean that's what hurts your fucking butt. So anyway, um, fuck Arcee Cola. Um, and <laughs> there's another one. So now this dude, all right, CZW had, back in the day, when I started going to CZW, uh, 2001, they had uh, Corns Blind, and that, that was the show, that was the show starter, that was the song that started the show, um, they would play whatever fucking music, and when the show was about to start, you'd hear, and you know, and it slowly build, and then it, you know, the and they, are you ready? You know, it fuck motherfuckers were hyped when they were fucking hyped when that shit kicked in, and then fucking Dennis Shock would hit the fucking ring at that time. Yeah, you know I mean, and, and motherfuckers were hyped. This is fucking CZW. You knew shit was on like a motherfucker, man. That was fucking, that was the entrance. And that shit got you hyped. And then, like, as it, as it went, a um, little bit down the road, they got their own fucking CZW song. And that shit became fucking legendary. That shit became the motherfucking theme, and people would get fucking just as hyped. I might even want to give the, uh, the quarantine a little more credit, just because, you know, back then, you know, the further along down the line you went, the less hype there was. But, but... Still, the CZW theme did what the fucking CZW theme was supposed to, you know, and it was it was legit. I think Zandig did some vocals on it and shit. Crazy. And uh, that shit was legendary, man. Fucking legendary. So all of a sudden, like a year or two ago, DJ has some fucking new metal <laughs> fucking screaming bullshit remade the fucking the deal. The same fucking theme remade. Now it's louder and more screamier. Look, man, I don't like that fucking music. 
Um, they got the turnbuckle, eat the turnbuckle, and all that bullshit at, at, at tournament of death. I don't give a fuck about that. Not my deal. I don't like being yelled at. Um, I don't like metal music. I'm sure, you know, a lot of people are going to love it. It's a great venue for that type of shit. A lot of people are going to absolutely love it. So I'm not I'm not going to come on here and be like, fuck that shit, shouldn't be on there. I, I personally would rather it's not, selfishly, but do I think it's a good idea? Sure, it's a good idea because a lot of that fucking crowd is going to love it. But I don't like the shit anyway. So when you remake the song to make it more of that shit, I'm not going to fucking like it. Uh, I think it's garbage. And especially based off of the tradition of the other theme, more so than anything. More so than me just saying I don't like that type of thing. The fact that the other one had fucking history. That's the thing. They get rid of the junior title. Junior title had fucking history. Why are titles got fucking rainbows on it? Yeah, I mean, this is what you do. This is what DJ ever does. So I never knew shit about who who made it. I don't give a fuck who made it, right? All of a sudden it comes up on the Zandig thread. I'm talking about the new theme sucks, just another fucked up change. DJ made this and this. Dan O'Hare is uh, he's a, he's a student. He um, he chimes in. Uh, you can blame DJ for whatever, but. You know, I made the fucking theme without anyone asking me, and, you know, so blame me for not sounding like a, what the fuck did he say, um, what the fuck, um, what the fuck was the band, oh, fuck, um, shit, oh, uh, a shitty Godsmack ripoff from 1999, uh, forgive me for making it, you know, or, Blame me for making it not sound like a shitty Godsmack ripoff from 99. Well, first off, as far as the Godsmack thing goes, again, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of, like, you know, any specific band. Like, I like a lot of different shit. Um, Obviously, mostly a rap dude, but I like a lot of different fucking music, a lot. But I'm not, like, um, I'm not, like, a concert dude because I don't like, like, ten songs of almost any band. You know what I mean? Like, there's only a couple that I do, and um, so anyway. Um, but as far as Godsmack goes, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, they had a song that the fucking crowd would explode to every time that motherfucker hit. When that voodoo track hit and the fucking hate club came out, that fucking crowd would go bananas. So again, using that example to Oh, the fucking Godsmack bullshit. Like, again, you're looking at CZW's history through really, really fucking blurry glasses. Um, You know, just this is shit and that's shit. So then he starts going, you know, with uh, with Zandig and, you know, and starts really bantering and saying a bunch of just bitter, just, just ridiculous sounding shit. And, and let's not forget throughout this whole thing that the dude is a student. So then someone says to him, like, look, man, like, uh, something like, you know, you, you know, you're still a fucking student. Like, if you can't handle, like, what's being said about a song, like, how are you going to handle, like, a crowd? And he's like, yeah, he's like, what the fuck does he say? I, uh, you know, we, we do this to pay dues and, you know, security and all this to pay dues and and 
you're lucky there's still people that'll deal with this shit. It's definitely not a morale booster after working 12 hours every month for free and training and and uh, regular life bullshit to still deal with you guys. You're lucky that there's some people that are still willing to deal with your shit. Dude, you're still a fucking student. I don't know anything about you. I had zero fucking opinion on Dan O'Hare. I had no fucking interest in seeing anything that this dude did. But, hey, man, I've changed my mind on people before. You know, maybe this fucking dude impresses down the road. And I I don't know, man. Maybe I'm fucking wrong. I'm not a wrestler. I'm not a trainer. I'm not any of those things. But maybe I'm fucking wrong, but important as you fucking come into the fucking business and try to make a name for yourself to be somewhat fucking humble and not fucking show up with a fucking chip on your shoulder and act disgruntled like everyone should fucking lucky there's some people like us left fuck you you know i again i don't know anything about this fucking guy i I know nothing about you i had no fucking opinion on you now there's zero you can ever do to gain my support nothing because you come off like an asshole. And that's fine, man. You know, you don't have to have supportive fans. Who cares? Maybe it's just your dream to wrestle, and who cares who's watching? I mean, and that, that's your business. I, I just, I, I think it's fucking insane that some people have this mentality. They're going into a fucking entertainment field and disregarding the fact that people's acceptance is a big fucking part of you making it at all. And to show up with a fucking chip on your shoulder, like, we're lucky that there's some people who tolerate. Look around, motherfucker. The wrestling business is not small. There's motherfuckers all over the place trying to fucking make it and being humble. And you have this fucking, yeah, I didn't work all this fucking, I didn't do all this fucking free work for nothing. Lucky fucking people like me around. (laughs) What are you fucking high? Jesus fucking Christ. So he's going to go and he's going to play with his fucking shitty fucking band at Tournament of Death with the fucking other guys that eat the turnbuckle at the other band. And, uh, hey, you know, I'm sure some people like it, but he, he sure as fuck didn't make fans on that post, man. It's whatever. I don't know if that's the DJ Hyde school of fucking how to be a heel where, you know, he... Yeah, I don't know. Banters with Zandig, I, I, I don't know. Um, so yeah, that's that's that. Oh yeah, um, amongst that all, uh, you know, high spot situation, dude. Vader, Vader had said some shit, and uh, you know, he he's disgruntled too. So I, I don't know, man. It, it's just fucking crazy. Cause again, like, you know, WCW existed when you had fucking. Uh, Jushin Thunder Liger and Brian Pillman open up fucking Nitro. So, how was what they were doing not attacking the business or ruining the business? You know what I mean? Sure, they were doing a way different product than what the fuck Vader was doing, but what what the fuck does that mean? There's a reason why Chikara is fucking successful. And it ain't because I'm fucking giving them money. But a whole lot of motherfuckers like that shit. 
because I'm not into it, does that mean he should fucking go away or I should run on fucking line like an asshole and be like, it's killing the business. Fucking ice cream cones are killing the business. Like, I don't give a fuck, man. If you want to clap for fucking ice cream cones, good. I mean, I might occasionally call them fags, but I mean, it is what it is. Do what you want to do, you know? And that's the same thing, deathmatch wrestling. People fucking hate deathmatch wrestling. Good, well, what the fuck? Do I want to make you fucking like deathmatch wrestling? Who fucking cares? I don't give a shit. But when people with the fucking ruining the business, chances are you didn't belong in it to begin with. If that's really the way you fucking feel, that it's ruining the business, no, it's just ruining your chances of looking fucking relevant at all. Because your fucking body slam with a fucking stall and then your promo before the match about how the town you're in sucks. Maybe that shit doesn't work anymore. I mean, maybe, maybe it shouldn't have worked to fucking begin with because it's fucking pathetic. There's a point as an adult where I don't want to hear that shit anymore. When someone grabs a mic and be like, this town stinks. <laughs> Or you're in Philly and you show up with a Dallas jersey on. Oh, that's scathing and creative. Fuck you. How about you fucking entertain the fans with with fucking athleticism? Why don't you go out there and do something innovative in the fucking ring as a fucking wrestler rather than fucking leaning on hack fucking jokes? That's the same fucking shit. They call those people when they're comics and they go for the fucking easy fucking joke and the you know, the, hey, local guys, this, or this and that. They call those comics fucking hacks. When you have no original shit and you just keep going back to what fucking works. Don't get mad that the same old shit doesn't fucking work. That makes you a hack. And now you're mad that it doesn't fucking work anymore. You're mad that the fucking carrot top box of fucking tricks doesn't fucking work anymore. Rather than trying to be fucking creative and fucking master your craft so you can fucking entertain the crowd. Not that the crowd owes you to be entertained by the shit that you wheel out there every month. You know, that that's a professional, is finding ways to fucking entertain the crowd no matter who you're in front of. Not getting mad because the crowd isn't entertained and they're clapping at something else that you think is bullshit. No, that's just you being bitter and fucking jaded and and, and the fact that you can't handle it. You can't fucking handle the fucking business you got into. But a lot of these people, it should have been fucking evident from the very start, but motherfuckers don't know how to tell some lazy fuck that walks into the school like, look, man, there's a fucking ceiling on what you can do in this business. There's, There's a very fucking low ceiling about what you can do. You don't really belong behind, you know, beyond the fucking opener. You don't really belong off the fucking dark matches. You're a guy who should just be getting squashed by the motherfuckers that people want to see. That, you know, you're not going to get that type of honesty in a fucking school that's taking somebody's money. But that's that's the fucking, that's the plain out fact about a lot of these fucking dudes. A lot of these fucking dudes. You look and you're just like, dude. And RC Cola, real quick, that dude just got squashed. 15 years into his fucking career got squashed by another fucking dude. That's that's nobody's fucking hero. So, what the fuck does that say about his career? 15 fucking years in the business and you're just getting fucking squashed in less than 10 minutes. 
right, man. You know what I mean? This this is what I mean. That's why you're fucking bitter. Because not only can you not be taken seriously within the realm of what you do, you can't even exist in what they do. And that shit hurts, man. Doesn't hurt me at all. But, uh, you know, what can you do? Um, that's that, man. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? I'm going to go to the Zandig show on fucking Sunday. Next week, have some more shit to talk about. It'll be post-fucking tournament of survival, pre-tournament of death. We'll get some shit going with that. I'll let you know about guests, man. I really didn't even plan on having guests this week. Uh, the whole Pondo situation came up, and uh, I was going to have him come on, talk a little bit about the whole thing. He was going to have wanted to rip a fucking tooth out of his head. Like, God damn, you know what I mean? And, I, and I'm glad he didn't because amongst talking to him, I, I really wanted to, you know, side with the group of people that were saying, you know, can we just fucking tell you not to do that shit? You know, um, you know, give you a dollar or two dollars, whatever you, because he was trying to get, you know, he has almost 5,000 fucking followers. And if 2,000 gave a dollar, then shit, he'd have his two grand. And the thing is, is, you know, I'm not a, like a GoFundMe guy or any of that shit, but like, I don't know if I'm breaking, you know, any kind of kayfabe or anything like that. I don't think it's like a deep, dark, hidden secret or anything like that. But, like, I've had, you know, to call Pondo, you know, previous to the shows, and he was wrapping up, delivering pizzas. I think the one time he came on, he, he, he said I was just delivering pizzas. He was, you know, delivering fucking pizzas. This isn't a guy that is, like, beyond fucking working. This dude works normal motherfucking jobs. So it, it's not some shit where I just look at it like, oh, he just thinks he can get by by wrestling, and now he's begging for fans to buy him a car. Like, no, like, this dude fucking works. You know what I mean? He's not beyond that at all. This dude's a motherfucking veteran, a fucking legend in deathmatch wrestling, and he's still doing fucking whatever kind of regular jobs he has to, to to get through. So it comes out of something like that, and, you know, I, I'm cool with that. But anyway... And then uh, Joker was like, last minute, I posted that the show's going to come on in like an hour. He's like, I'd like to call in. So, fuck, any time, man. So, <clears throat> who knows? Even when I try not to have a guest, I have two. It's fucking crazy, man. Who's the gig radio is on fire, motherfucker. I'll talk to you all next week. This is John Sandig, and you're listening to Yakuza Kit Radio. Jesus! You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So... What I make you good? You're not good. You just know how to hide. How to lie. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell a truth. 
even when I lie. So say good night to the bad guy. I'm gonna tell you something straight off the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no foolishness. 